So this is a big one that I am unlearning and deconditioning myself. Like some of it has come, like I said, from well-meaning coaches and consultants. Some of it's come from societal programming. You know, I've had this belief for a long time in my head that I can be a this or a that. I never thought I could, you know, blend them all together. And now I'm learning to do that. I'm learning to blend together all the modalities and all the things that I love. Energetics, the woo-woo, personality design, human design. I'm bringing all of that in with business, logistics, and how-tos. Hey there, it's Jen Hully, and you're listening to Side Notes, conversations for the multi-passionate entrepreneur, your go-to space for all the things, creativity, business, well-being, and life design. It's time to break free, find joy, and create success in your very own way. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hello, hello. We are talking about something fiery and spicy today. We are talking about the five worst pieces of bullshit business advice for a multi-passionate entrepreneur. And we are talking about this because 95% of my coaching clients come to me after they've worked with another business coach or after they've worked with another life coach. They come to me after they've implemented their strategies and their systems and it hasn't worked and it's fallen apart and they're frustrated and stuck and they're wondering, what the fuck is wrong with me? What the fuck is wrong with me? And you know what? Nothing is wrong with them. Nothing is wrong. The issue is twofold. One, a lot of coaches are actually consultants wearing a coaching badge, like a hello, my name is coach thing, like one of those stickers, but they're actually a consultant. Uh, What's the difference? A coach is somebody who creates space for you to unpack, you know, and pick at your thoughts and untangle all the mess that's in your head, some ideas and blocks that you're having so that you can start to find like a new way forward for yourself. They coach you, they guide you towards developing your own solutions. Whereas a consultant gives you a set of strategies, steps and things that you need to do in order to achieve a result right? A lot, there's a lot of overlap here. A lot of coaching involves, you know, presenting different ideas and strategies to the client, but the motive is always for them to like chew on it themselves and to come to their own place of clarity and action that brings them back to a more like honest expression of who they are, where like as a consultant is really hired as this like external factor, this expert that comes in and they present solutions for you to implement and like six steps to six figures, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of overlap, but differences. Before we get into it, let's pull our card of the day. Let's get our Muse tarot card going. Ask the cards, what do we need to know? What's the message they have for us today as we dive into this conversation about bullshit business advice that does not work for a multi-passionate entrepreneur? Ooh, I picked the queen of materials, which is really the queen of pentacles. And when I pull this card... You can't see the photo if obviously if you're on the podcast, but it's this woman. She looks very regal and she's got like big ass earrings and jewels. And she's standing in that like Wonder Woman power stance with her hands on her hips. And pentacles and materials means money, finances, resources, success, that kind of thing. Anyways, the song that always pops into my head. I have no idea who sings this song, but someone was there like, I'm a bitch. I'm a boss. I don't know the song. That's as much as I as far as I can go. But it's a song. It's like, I'm a bitch. I'm a boss. And it's like a power anthem about like, fuck yeah, I know what I want. I get what I want. I take what I want. I make my money. And I love it because we're talking about business advice that's going to help you stand in your worth and own your space as like the fiery, passionate, multi-passionate entrepreneur that you are. 
But let's dive into the book. Let's see what the message is from Chris Ann, the designer of this. So we've got nurturing energy, financial wealth and gain, unconditional love, prosperity, trusting that the universe will provide lessons, abundance, grounding responsibilities and comforts, the highway of fruition, strong and loving, determined and courageous. This queen stands beneath a poster of her upcoming prosperity and ascension premiere. The other muses lovingly tease her about her larger than life self promos, but she knows that she must walk the talk in order to model the path of self-love and self-acceptance. She wants to nurture this in all of us, the path to wealth, health, and joyful abundance. And her unconditional love means that she will always teach us how to do it for ourselves instead of simply gifting. She will shower us with warmth, nutritious meals, freshly dried linens, and keep our spirits up and offer a limitless supply of opportunities for comfort and security. She shares a message of being independent and accountable within her safety net of life. And she reminds you to lean on family and nurture those around you and welcome prosperity and success that is yours for the taking now. Self-made and self-believed, she stands abreast her self-achieved. An image of projected self, of manifested dreams and wealth. A deep investment of her caring and multitudes of joyful sharing. Compassion hers, a special kind of earthly wisdom set of mind. For me, this card reminds us to stand. It's like walking the talk and modeling the path to self-love and self-acceptance. And that's exactly what we're talking about today because we're talking about this well-meaning or well-intended advice that is given to us, whether by friends or family or that we pay for through consultants and coaches to help us. You know, it's well-intended to help us build our business and build our life, but it doesn't work for us. And we need to lean into this concept of self-love and self-acceptance and being like, this does not work for me. That is not actually appropriate advice for me. And we need to learn to do this in a way that we're always supporting ourselves and we're taking care of ourselves. And that is the path to riches and freedom and success, right? That's the only way forward. So let's go back to this concept of like bullshit business advice, right? And it's like I said, it's well-intended. It's not someone saying something to you to like fuck up your life, right? It's just a fundamental difference of how a multi-passionate brain works and how our energy works and what we need in order to feel creative, to feel supported, to feel free enough to play with ideas, stick with things, see them through to the point that we do experience success. Now we were talking about the concept of like a coach versus a consultant before we did our little daily reading, right? And that we said the coaches are there to support you, to guide you, to help you unpack thoughts, ideas, beliefs, untangle all the shit that's in your head so that you can find your own way forward. Whereas the consultant is like the superwoman that comes in and is like, or Superman, whatever, superhero comes in and is like, I got all these strategies for you. You need to do this, 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 and this. And for some people that works, right? For, because the way their brain works, the way their business model is created, the values and goals they have for their life long term are going to be well supported by that. But if you're multi-passionate and you follow these pieces of advice, you could actually end up digging yourself into a bigger hole that is so complicated and difficult to get yourself out of. 
there was a little bit of overlap we were saying, right? Like um, coaching does include giving you strategies and solutions, but it's never presented to you or it shouldn't be presented to you as like a do this and this is guaranteed that it will happen. Ideas and strategies should be presented to you as a let's look at this together and let's decide if it works for you. Let's put it in action. Let's reflect and see what happens. It's never given to you as like the be all end all solution that has to be implemented. Um, a lot of businesses like larger businesses and corporations will hire consultants. Um, and I think that is just really indicative of the fact that big businesses want answers and less thinking. They want quick results, right? I see a lot of entrepreneurs who are drawn to coaches and the coaching model. And I, I believe this is totally not scientific at all. This is just belief based. I believe that by nature, entrepreneurs are figure it outers. Um, they're doers and they enjoy that process of learning and bootstrapping something together themselves. And they want solutions too, but maybe they're just more willing to do the work to get there. Where like a large corporation is not likely to invest six months and letting their business employees figure things out. They want someone to come in and be like, assess what's going on and be like, do this, do this, do this. Bob's your uncle. Here you go. Right. You're good. So I guess the important thing is to ask yourself when you're like looking for this outside support, do you want an air quotes expert to tell you what to do without, you know, with little regard for your unique personality and your energetics, thereby basically asking you to like, you know, show up in a costume that may not fit. Or do you want the support of a guide who is committed to diving inward and doing the work with you to find a unique solution that's actually going to help you build a business? And you're going to build a business where you're, you feel free to express exactly who you are. You know, there's some coaching transformations that I like to highlight that I feel are really important to, if you're multi-passionate, to seek out when you're working with people. And the transformation you would be looking for through coaching should be something like, I want to do business in a way that feels like me. I want to be safe to be myself, to bring my authenticity. I want to be safe to break free of these rules that we're supposed to follow. I want to get off this exhausting treadmill of all the things I'm supposed to do and find my own solution. And I want to do a way, you know, I want to do business in a way that works for my unique design, my unique personality, whether that's like a personality profile, your human design, your Enneagram, whatever it is. As a multi-passionate, you should be, in my opinion, looking for transformations and experiences that are going to help you be that person, be yourself, bring your authenticity, do business in a way that is a great fit for your unique mind, your unique passions, your unique skill set. And so here, we're going to dive into the five worst pieces of advice for a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Again, they've come from well-meaning consultants, things on the internet. Where am I getting this information? I'm not making it up. This is stuff from personal experience in my own life, stuff that my clients have gone through, things that I read on the internet, um, you know, like Instagram stuff that goes around. But they're really important things because I think when we see the same message over and over again, especially like through Instagram where there's all these like inspirational quotes and we see the same thing over and over again, we just assume that it's right. And we just assume that it's right for everybody. And then we implement that system or whatever. And even when it's not feeling good and we're not getting the results we want, we just have like our blinders on and can plow through it because we're like, this is what I have to do to be successful. So by talking about these today, I want to encourage you to 
be a critical consumer of advice, be a critical consumer of strategy. And when you're presented with anything, whether it's from a coach, a consultant, social media, stop and ask yourself, does this feel good? And does it feel right and true for me? And does it feel right and true for me right now? Only by doing that will you be able to consciously take action that is aligned for you instead of immediately jumping on a conveyor belt and being like, cool, I'm going to do ABC because this person says I'm supposed to. So bullshit business advice number one that does not work for a multi-passionate entrepreneur is the notion that you can't do this and that. All right. You can't be this and be that. You can't have that and that. It's this advice of two things cannot coexist and they're too distinct and you cannot blend them or have them in your sphere. Essentially, it's saying like you need to choose. And if you're multi-passionate, you know that the word choose is like a massive trigger word to have a meltdown, to panic, to avoid. And I hear this one a lot. I hear this from clients. They've told, you can't blend that with this. That doesn't make sense. You know, in order to be a successful X, you just need to be an X. You need to be very clear that that's who you are and establish your authority on social media, whatever. So is this actually true? Can X not go together with C? Can A not go together with Z? I think the only thing you can do is really take a step back and look at them. Like look at the two aspects, whether it's like you can't be a potter and a dentist, you can't be a this and a that or whatever. Look at these two elements and see how they blend together and how they overlap. Like maybe draw a Venn diagram. Do you remember in grade school and it was like the circle overlapping the circle and then you had the middle section um, and put little characteristics there. Like what's on the left-hand side? What's on the right-hand side? How much of it is overlapping? Do you have stuff that's overlapping? Because if you do have things overlapping, then like you're golden. If things aren't overlapping and they're really like polar and opposites, maybe you need to think about how it can be a this and that, but in maybe different time spaces. Like I do this and I do that and they don't come together. They're not represented on the same Instagram page. Maybe they need two accounts or maybe this is something I do on the evenings and weekends or this is a role that I do in the summer. Maybe it's seasonal, right? Instead of blending them together. And maybe you look at it and you're like, oh, I'm a vet and I love pottery, but these do overlap. And you know what? I can sell handmade dog bowls in my vet clinic, like look for the ways that you can actually overlap the two and bring them together in the middle. So this is a big one that I am unlearning and deconditioning myself. Like some of it has come, like I said, from well-meaning coaches and consultants. Some of it's come from societal programming. You know, I've had this belief for a long time in my head that I can be a this or a that. I could be a photographer or I could be a coach. I could be a life coach or I could be a business coach. I could be a business strategist or I could be someone who works on life design. I never thought I could, you know, blend them all together. And now I'm learning to do that. I'm learning to blend together all the modalities and all the things that I love, energetics, the woo-woo, personality design, human design. I'm bringing all of that in with business, logistics, and how-tos. I'm calling it like the woo-woo with the how-to. <laughs> but And that's a unique combination for me is to look at how you blend woo-woo, how you blend personality theory, how do you look at Enneagrams, how you look at your conditioning and upbringing and subconscious beliefs as a child, how you look at your business strategy and how you look at your content planning, like all of it. I'm looking at how you can mash all this together to create something that is unique and represents who I am, but I believe will help me 
find my people on a deeper level. Um, so for you, I encourage you, if someone has ever said like, you can't be this and this, look at, well, could you? How could you blend them together? And where does the overlap exist? Because there, if you can find overlap, I guarantee you there are people who are looking for that overlap. And that is a really great pathway and a direct pathway to connect with people that are really similar to you and want to hear your message and want to hear what you've got to talk about. Bullshit business advice number two, limit your services to two options, three options max. I had a coach tell me that I could only have three services, absolute maximum. She's like, you cannot have any more than that. And guess what? It took me over 12 months to nail down a services guide. Like, hello, commitment issues. Hello, anxiety about being suffocated for the rest of my life. Never mind the fact that I was like an entrepreneur and I could literally change direction whenever I thought, or I could make a service guide, then make another one in two months. That thought never crossed my mind. Um, I was just like, oh God, I got to pick two, three maximum. And I never picked. It took fucking forever to pick. And I get where this advice comes from when we say limit to like two to three options of services. It comes from the concept of decision paralysis. You know, we talked about that in season one really early on. So if you're not familiar with it, go give it a listen. I think it's episode two or three. Decision paralysis exists. Yes, if there's too many options, it makes it challenging for someone to make a choice. So if you are a service provider, a photographer, a writer, designer, coach, whatever, if you present options to a potential client of like 10 different ways they can work with you, the chances are you're going to overwhelm them and they're not going to be able to make a decision or they'll delay making a decision. But it doesn't mean that you can't have those options. Like you can present yourself however you want, right? You can have tons of ways that you work and connect with your people. You could have like a services guide that has 25 pages in it. You don't even have to have a services guide. You could just have like a spreadsheet of all the different price points and inclusions and things that you have available in your toolkit. And then you present yourself and your services in a way that's really in tune with the person that's on the receiving end at that moment. Let's talk about why, as an entrepreneur, you need to be considering a process that I call business life design. I firmly believe that when you're an entrepreneur, there is no such thing as life coaching or business coaching because there is only business life coaching. Like those two things are so inseparable. Your business is your life and your life is your business. And if you want change in any area or any aspect of either of those, you need to look at the whole. You need to look at how all the intricate parts are connecting. Now, the process of life design is there to help you explore options, take aligned action and push you to expand yourself in ways that you may not have considered, where the business strategy is there to tidy up the loose ends that are draining your energetic bucket, helping you establish what's essential and what's not. It pushes you to pursue what feels good and it ensures that you reach your people. When we mash it together and we look at what business life design does, it's an active process that makes sure that your business direction is actively constructing a life that you love. These two are inseparable. You cannot design your life without considering your business and you cannot design your business without considering your life. And that's why when we work on a one-to-one -one coaching program, we are committing to consciously designing your business life. And we do this so that you will stop wasting endless money on courses, masterminds, templates, workshops, all those things that don't work. 
We do this so that you're going to stop overcomplicating your life by adding more and more and more when it's not necessary. And we do this so that you stop cycling between idea after idea after idea without taking action. But most importantly, we do this so that you can start paying into your energetic bucket so that you'll have more to give to your friends, your family, the things you love and your life. You need to do this now because when you live in an endless loop of burnout, you are left with nothing to give to the people and the things that you love. And the longer you continue to live in this business or life design that doesn't feel right, you feed that imposter syndrome monster, you know, the thing that makes it impossible for you to ever make change. But most importantly, the longer you live like this, more and more opportunities and possibilities will continue to pass you by while you sit there waiting. Waiting for what, though? I want you to remember that you were designed to create a business that feels good, where you get to show up every day as you quirks and all. You were designed to be curious and investigate options and make aligned decisions. And you were designed to create and live a life that you're proud of. Now I ask you, are you ready to design a business and a life that you love? One that fills your bucket and your bank account. I want you to not waste another day wondering what could be, and I want you to commit to finding out what will be. If you would like to talk about what one-to-one coaching looks like for business life design, I have three and six month programs available. You can get more details by clicking on the link in the show notes and booking what is called a chit chat. A chit chat is exactly what it sounds like. It's a time for you and I to sit down over a Zoom and just talk things out and find out what's happening, what's going on in your life, how are you feeling and where do you feel like things are not coming together or things are not aligned or things are holding you back. And through that conversation, we look at what business life design coaching might look like for you and make a decision together as to what your next step is going to be. So go to the show notes, hit that link, book a chit chat and you and I will talk it out. You're not giving everybody the same thing. You're not going generic and being like, this is what I do, regardless of who you are. And in order to do that, you have to stand, like, represent yourself from a space of empathy and connect with the people from a space of empathy. You need to really, like, know who you're talking to. Like I said, know who that client or that person is on the other end, on the receiving end of the conversation understand what it is that they need and how they're thinking and what they're struggling with so that you can then draw from your, you know, infinite library of services and say like, as an expert in X, Y, Z, or it's in my, you know, professional opinion that based on the conversations we've had, I really feel like these two options would be the best pathway for you. And that's the best of both worlds, right? You eliminate the decision-making process. You eliminate the paralysis that can happen for your client, but you're not shutting yourself off to the possibility of working with people in infinite ways. It requires you to have the confidence, right? To stand in your own beliefs and say, this is what is appropriate for you and to not give them a list of 20 things and go, sort your shit out. <laughs> like You need help. Come back and tell me what you need. Because when someone comes to you for a service, whether it's like they need photos taken, they need some copy written, they want coaching, they want you to take care of their dog or whatever. They come to you because they have a problem and they don't know how to solve it. So they're not coming to you for you to say, 
okay, but tell me how you want me to solve your problem. They're coming to you for you to say, this is how I can help you. And that is how you help them, I believe, is by having a lot of options and a lot of ways to work with people, but picking and choosing which ones you're going to present to them. I think this even applies if you're product-based because like, yes, you can make a life and a living making vases or whatever, and you can get really well-known in the pottery sphere if that's a thing. (laughs) But I bet if you expanded beyond that to include other objects and sidecar items like that are related to your pottery, maybe you sold cutlery that somebody else makes or you sell fresh flowers in your store or whatever, you're going to build a business model that can serve people better because you're, they're going to be able to get what they want and need in a more unique way, in a way that meets exactly their needs. So it's that, that concept of like serving from an empathy standpoint as well. And I think, you know, this is advice like, I think maybe applies to not just multi-passionate people. I feel like you could be a zone of genius or, or whatever in between and still embrace this concept of not limiting your services. And I would be interested to see what happens to your brain, like what unique solutions and ideas and possibilities do you dream up of when you take the lid off the box and you tell yourself that you're allowed to have more than two ways of working with people. Number three, we're talking about the bullshit advice of you have to have A in order to B. You can fill in the blanks, whatever fits for you. It could be something like you need to have A in order to sell. You need to have A in order to grow your Instagram account. You need to have this in order to sign a client, right? Like this is the way you launch an email campaign. You need to have this ready to navigate a sales call. Maybe it's a script. This is what sales has to look like. It's this concept of like this is required for this to come into existence, happen and be. Um, and it pushes people way down the wrong road. It pushes multi-passionate people way into this space that is so far off from who they are and what they do. And again, like you're in this space where you feel like you're wearing a suit that's like three sizes too big. It's the wrong material. It's a color that you don't like that maybe makes you look like you're a little under the weather um, because you're not stopping and tuning into being like, no, who am I? What am I good at? What do I enjoy? How does sales feel authentic to me? What does an authentic email campaign look like to me? And you're putting on this suit, you're wearing this costume of this strategy or this rule set that somebody else has told you, you have to do in order to be successful. There is nothing more destructive to your confidence and your energy than to force yourself to do something that doesn't feel right. Like, you will be exhausted. You will drain yourself of the energy you need to show up in a way that is engaging and captivating. But the people on the receiving end are going to smell it a mile away. You are not going to feel good with what you're doing. You're going to get crappy results because you're not going to be engaging with enthusiasm and energy and positivity and optimism. You're going to be kind of like, well, I got to do this. I guess I got to send my email now. Now I got to send three emails because it's a launch sequence and that's how you launch. And you're not going to be creating an email that authentically represents you and who you are. And the people reading it are not going to be completely unaware of that, right? Like they're going to pick up on that and you're going to, for that reason, that's where you're not going to get the results. And when you don't get the results you want and you get shit results, that's when you feel like crap and then you feel like crap. So you bail. And when you bail, you don't make progress. So it's this almost like a pinball effect, right? Where it's like, bink, 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 bink. This happens. I put on a suit and I believe I have to do it a certain way. I have to launch my program 
through an email launch series and it has to look like this. Doesn't feel authentic. Doesn't feel like me. I feel like a little kid wearing their mom's clothes, doing dress up. I'm wearing shoes that are too big. I can't really walk, but I'm here and I'm doing the thing. You'll delay doing the thing or you'll half-ass it or you'll do it in a way that is just so scripted and not you. The people will read it and be like, what is this? They won't respond. They won't respond in the way that you like. You'll get defeated and then you'll probably abandon. Like it's just, you see how one thing leads to the other. It's that constant pinballing, like I said, or domino effect, right? That's what I'm looking for. I'm thinking dominoes. The other thing I'm thinking in my head is that game mousetrap, you know, when you were a kid and it's like the marble goes down and it hits the, um, the seesaw and the seesaw goes up and it hits the lever and the lever, like one thing connects to another thing. And at the end, the little mouse trap comes down and catches the mouse or it doesn't. So all those things need to be in alignment and work together, but they have to work together with the starting action or the starting energy point, which is you. So if you are next time you're ready, to, you're going to do something, you're going to have a sales call or you're going to launch a product or you're going to work on your email campaign or even just show up in your business. Ask yourself, what do I believe I need to be and do in this space? Where did I pick up that belief? Where was I told that this is how it has to be? And is that actually true for me or is it not working? And if it's not true for you and it's not working, ask yourself a follow-up question. What would it look and feel like if it was working and it was easy? I bet it would be more fun and free. And get into some sort of detail like, okay, well, what does fun and freedom and flow look like in your actions relating to this thing? Okay, number four is this idea of like, you can't talk about X, Y, Z and ABC or you're going to confuse your audience. I will just like stop you right there and just say people are not that stupid. When you believe that I can't do this and this, you are saying that the person on the receiving end of your message has no capacity to take in information, look for things that, you know, align and connect to make sense of it. And that you need to spell stuff out so simplistically in order for them to get it, you know, air quotes, get it. This concept of like, you'll confuse your audience is probably only true if you post in two languages. So if you're going fully bilingual and you're posting in one language one day, one language the next day, you're probably going to confuse somebody because someone will see your post in another language. They're like, I don't actually know what this means. But even in doing that, you're still going to find somebody who understands both sides of your message because you will find somebody who's bilingual. It goes back to that concept of like, we're not robots, we're humans, we're complex, we have intricate ways of thinking and processing information, and we are fully capable of making connections and furring, like inferring details and inferring storylines in order to make sense in our head. And in fact, humans are designed to do that. We are designed to connect the dots, to make inferences, and to develop a storyline-based narrative in our head from all the things that we interact and encounter on a daily basis. We do that so that we feel safe and we understand. So believing that if you say something and you say something totally different, that's like a different genre or whatever, that they're going to be confused as to who you are, I absolutely call bullshit on that because nobody is one-dimensional. 
right? Nobody, multi-passionate or not, nobody is one dimensional. We are complex. We have rich histories, rich interests. And I believe that if you do talk about XYZ and ABC, it's not that you're going to confuse your audience. You're probably going to intrigue your audience because they're going to want to get to know more about you. And the last piece of bullshit business advice for the multi-passion entrepreneur that I want to talk about, and this one gets me all the time because like, I will still use this line in my head when I'm trying to make a decision. And I've just, I've had to call bullshit on it for myself. And that is, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. And you know what? Life is not that extreme. It is not that extreme always. I think this concept of hell yes versus hell no completely downplays the complexity of life, people, and how our brains work and also what we value. Hell no's are super easy to spot because if you don't like something and you don't want to do it, you're going to be like, absolutely not. Your reaction to it is going to be strong if it is in fact a hell no. Hell no versus hell yes. It almost leaves you powerless because you're like waiting for this huge gut feeling to hit you over the head. Um, and this is why I love the concept of life design as a strategy. Okay. Cause we're not looking for the hell yes, hell no. Let me just back up because hell no's are huge. Like they're easy. You know, if someone says like, I'd like you to go to work at this office job where you're going to file taxes in the dark and I'm only going to pay you $2 a month. You'd be like, absolutely not. Nope. 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 But sometimes the things we're presented with aren't always completely no's. There's like a little bit of no and a little bit of yes. And I think if we believe that something has only a little bit of a no in it, then we have to disregard it. The same with a hell yes. Like we assume that some opportunity that we've never experienced that's in front of us, this option, let's, do you want to try this? Do you want to learn about this? You don't know. You have no frame of reference. So Someone says to you like, hey, you want to go on a vacation? I'm going to take you away for three weeks. It's all paid for, whatever. We're going to go here and here. You'd be like, yeah, that's amazing. Like that's a no brainer. But from the day-to-day actions and the day-to-day things that we're presented with, and someone says like, here's a, an opportunity for your business. Do you want to do this? You're not going to have a hell yes, because you don't have the frame of reference. You don't have the experiences to draw on for your body and your mind to understand whether that is a yes or no, because there's literally no history. There's no information for you to, to decipher and to like pick through to sort of sort in your brain and go, well, is it good or isn't good? And this is why I love life design as a strategy. It's a bias towards action. It's this push to follow your curiosity, to find out if something's a yes or a no. Not to sit back and wait and be like, okay, tell me gut, is this a hell yes or a hell no? The life design process is your guide to say, let's get in there. Let's take action. You're a little bit curious. You're wondering if something's a hell yes or a hell no. Let's just, let's dive in. Let's find out if there's a little bit of yes in there and then we'll keep going. If we see there's a little bit of no, we can say, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And this bias towards action to find out if something is a little bit of a yes or a little bit of a no is so essential because the majority of our life, big things, small things are more complex and they require a higher level reading of the scenario. And life design, right, this process of outlining all the possible actions you could take, things that you're interested in, opportunities that are there for you, it pushes you to take action quickly, to not sit and wait for that gut feeling of, oh my God, it's amazing, or oh my God, run away. It asks you to look for the little 
the little twinkly things in the distance, the things that like, you're like, I'm kind of curious, this might be worth it. And it pushes you to take fast action and listen to yourself for feedback. However quiet that feedback might be. It might not be screaming, hell yes. It might not be screaming, hell no. But it doesn't mean that it's not worth investigating further. And that, I think, is a far more appropriate strategy for figuring out whether something is good for you or whether something's going to fit your needs than sitting back and thinking, is it going to be a hell yes or a hell no? The other reason I think hell yes versus hell no does not work, like simply doesn't work for multi-passionate brains is because... We already know we have like a million interests. We like a lot of things. You probably like in your business love video editing, designing your slides in Canva. You probably even like doing your invoicing or whatever. You know, there's a lot of things that you like. And because you don't have like, I'm just in love with this part of my business and I hate the rest. You don't live in those extremes. You live in more of a gray zone where, yeah, I I enjoy doing that. I could look at that more. Or yeah, you know what? That's There's something about that task that I find enjoyable. So you're more likely to have these, yeah, it's kind of a yes, it's kind of a no. And I think we do ourselves a disservice if we're waiting to be told or we're waiting to be, you know, have this illuminated for us that it's absolutely going to be a yes or absolutely going to be a no. And I would be inclined to say that the only thing that is like an absolute hell no for a multi-passionate person would be, do you want to do this for the rest of your life? And they'll be like, nope. That's the only hell no that we have. If you're multi-passionate and you have a hell yes, maybe your hell yes is like, again, yeah, hell yes, I want to work for myself, right? That's a big, big extreme statement, but it's a big event. Like it's a big, like I was saying, do you want this big trip? All expenses paid. You're like, yes, I do. Absolutely. I know I want that. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty and the more mundane and the more nuanced and the things that are intricately woven complexities of life and all the little parameters that can make things interesting and different. That's where we have to say, okay, it's not hell yes versus hell no. It's a, do I want to investigate this further? Is this something I'm curious about? And then push ourselves to have a bias towards action like design thinking promotes. Do we want to take action? Do we, what could, what does that action look like? What's the smallest thing that I could do to get a little bit more information? You know, I'm curious. I want to investigate this and decide if it's, you know, you'll know after taking a little bit of action, if if this is starting to lean into like a, nah, I don't think it's for me or this, you know what? I've done a little bit here and I'm actually more interested in it. So I'm going to go to the next phase. And I think that's a much more appropriate strategy for life and for business for somebody who's multi-passionate. Again, because we don't have a lot of those extremes. We have a lot of interests and a lot of things that are in that gray zone that are like, yeah, we like it. So something to you know take away from this conversation is to remember the difference between co- coaching and consulting, right? Coaching is conversations and questions and a guided process to help you uncover your unique truth and what business looks like for you, how to authentically create a business, how to break free of rules and find your own solutions. Remembering the difference between that and consulting, where consulting is like, do X, Y, Z, and this is what's going to happen. Understand those differences. And when you're working with somebody, you know, whether you have a support system or you've hired somebody to come in and support you for the next few months or whatever, or when you're just scrolling Instagram, ask yourself, like, is this a coaching narrative or is it a consulting narrative? 
And if it's a consulting narrative where it's, I, you know, do this and you'll get this, ask yourself, is that true for me as a multi-passionate person? Or is this going to require me to act, think, and do in something in a way that isn't who I actually am as a human being? Is it going to limit my options and ask me to restrict my energy and be smaller than I want to be? Because we like to be big and expansive and have things changing and have variety. We like that novelty element. Ask yourselves those questions. Ask, is it limiting my options for action saying you'll only get this if you do this? Because if it is, that's not going to work for you. Any of these either or absolute statements do not work when you're multi-passionate because like I said, multi-passionate brains, we need novelty, we need variety. You know that our, we're totally jazzed up about the process of learning and doing something new. So you need that con- like continual regeneration of energy in our mind, body, and soul. And when these pieces of advice come to you, ask yourself, does that advice support that kind of existence that I am trying to create for myself? And if it doesn't, wipe it off your mental desktop, say, fuck it, this is not for me. And have the bravery to go and find the solution that you need for yourself and your business right now. Do what feels good, looks good, and does good for you, your life, and your business. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If something really hit you in the feels and left you feeling like, I feel seen, I would love for you to share this podcast so that we can continue to grow the community. Share it with a friend, encourage them to subscribe, post your favorite gems on Instagram. Make sure you tag me at Jennifer Hully. Every little bit helps. And by sharing this podcast with those that you know will love it, you're helping to grow this amazing community. Thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.